You're listening to the voices behind Women's Cricket Chat. That's Hannah, Georgie, Cassie, Mahika and Alex. Coming up on today's podcast... Hello everyone to this episode of Women's Cricket Chat and Kreisa E. Leisha Hawkins, CEO at Cricket Wales, joining myself and Hannah today to talk about all things cricket in Wales. Not necessarily... The two things you associate with each other, you know, so a lot of people might think Wales, a bit of rugby going on there, but you know what? No, cricket, big in Wales, and Leisha is right at the head of that one, been CEO since 2020, and working alongside Leisha is Jennifer Owen Adams, who sadly can't join us today, but we'll big her up a bit. And so it's women at the top in Wales, in the cricket, and that is something we love to hear about. So Croissa e Leisha, thank you for joining us. Oh, welcome there. Lovely to be here. I think that's probably the extent of the Welsh that I can manage in that one. Thank you so much for joining us and taking time out of what's probably quite a busy schedule now, looking ahead to the summer. How how are things going at your end? Well, considering, yeah, I started in February 2020. So I literally brought with me floods in my first week. And then a coronavirus pandemic in my fall. So I have unfortunately just sort of seemed to have overseen crisis after crisis in my first two years. So it's actually quite nice, touch wood, that we're going to seemingly have, dare I say it, a relatively normal summer. And it's nice to be planning for cricket in February rather than planning various iterations of guidance, which seems to be about 50% of my job for the last two years, unfortunately. So yeah, just great to be talking about cricket and look, all joking apart, cricket has done so well in Wales over the last um, two years. I know you sort of mentioned rugby and of course rugby is the primary uh, participation sport in Wales, but in the context of a pandemic, you know, we've been growing our clubs, our teams, particularly growing women's cricket, which I know we're obviously going to talk about, but as far as team sport goes, you we played more than any other sport in Wales in the last two years. So it's, if there has been a beauty of COVID, um, certainly cricket's been on um, the positive end of that. So yes, really looking forward to 2022. So you mentioned most difficult times over the last couple of years. How have you got through, through that? Obviously with COVID, with the floods and everything, we'll get that out of the way first. So tell us a little bit more. Of course it was tough. It was tough for everyone in so many different ways. You know, when I look at people like my sister, who's got three little girls, two dogs and a husband to look after. And I think of, you know, people that were having to homeschool and look after kids. So everyone, everyone's had it hard in their, in their own ways. I guess I was relatively lucky that I didn't have those distractions and could just focus on the job in hand. In many ways, sort of having a pandemic straight away just, you know, threw me in at the deep end. And you just, you do, you just get through. I guess there was no playbook with coronavirus. Usually if you have a challenge in business or in, in something that you're doing, there's always going to be somebody in your network who has a, you know, probably faced something similar and can give you a couple of hints and tips. And literally nobody really had a clue did they for the first few months at least so it was just making the best decisions that you could make at the time with the information that you had um trusting the guidance obviously of, of medical people and and for the worst but hoping for the best seemed to become my sort of standing kind of I guess mantra but yeah look we we got through um we got cricket back as soon as we could in Wales we were obviously slightly behind England by a couple of weeks in both summers actually in both um, years but I think you know we've we've done a good job and broadly I think everyone has stayed safe respected the rules particularly in Wales um, we are a pretty law-abiding bunch over here so yes it's uh, not not how I would have planned it for certain not how I would have wanted it 
but but we've got through and say we've come out well unscathed and actually thriving as a sport um ironically alert alert we have a gate crasher we have a fourth <laughs> member joining us today diving on in we have jennifer owen adams who is here to join us as well so thank you so much for joining us and jen for those of you who don't know is the chair of cricket Wales. so we've got the two powerful women at the top of cricket wales so hello and welcome to women's cricket chat oh dear georgie sorry i'm a little bit late but great to see you all and really look forward to um, being part of this so very excited yeah well we are so happy to have you we're just discussing you know how Leisha decided to take on a role at cricket wales and bring some floods and then a pandemic and then just like you know she's obviously been doing nothing for the last two years and so we had to bring you in to be like oh come on Leisha, get your act together so now we've got the two of you just taking on the world at women's cricket so how have things been for you since you took on the part because we hear you're doing sort of eight days a week kind of thing <laughs> at the moment well, how are things for me? I mean, um, full on, but in a really great way. And full on because, I, I, I mean, to be honest, I've had a really good induction to all of this work, um, given that I have been on the Cricket Wales board for the last five or six years and been senior independent director. So it wasn't work that was totally new to me, but obviously the position of chair was totally new. And that obviously comes with a position of authority, of a huge responsibility. And so I've been sort of making sure that I understand fully what my role is and listening to lots of great people out there across the world of cricket in Wales, making sure that I am doing what I need to do and making sure that I'm working really closely with Leisha and her executive team. So going hopefully quite well and uh, I have to say really, really enjoying it. And with the cricket season about to start then just around the corner and hopefully with no pandemic to deal with, then uh, we can actually get out there and see some cricket, play some cricket uh, and do some brilliant work building on the brilliant work that other people have done right across this space so yeah looking forward to it just simply why cricket how did you guys get involved and tell us a little bit about your roles sure how do I get involved in cricket administration or cricket just holistically just holistically nice in general just to ease us in so when I was about 10 at risk of giving away my age Cricket, men's cricket, obviously, test cricket was on the BBC. And as we are recording on Richie Benno Day, effectively, um, Richie would have done the um, morning, everybody. Uh, and there would have been the theme tune. And for some reason, I was just mesmerised by men's test cricket and could sit there for days on end as a 10-year-old girl. I was born into a sporty family. My father talks a great game about how good he was at cricket and rugby. We don't have any actual documentary evidence of this, but he, he, he talks a great game. My mum was a, a strong athlete, um, so it was me and my sister, uh, but we were both effectively brought up a little bit, I guess, as boys. Sport was kind of around the, the house. It was a very natural thing for us to participate in, watch, you know, go watch live. I was just absolutely mesmerised by men's test cricket at the time. Never considered in truth at that age that cricket would be a thing that I could get into in any way even kind of playing I was aware of that you know Baroness Hayho Flinch would have just been Rachel I suppose in those days I was aware of her I was aware that women's cricket was a thing but I wouldn't have known how to get into it it certainly wasn't sort of visible in my area so it was just by chance that I got to play when I was about 17 I was at secondary school I was a half decent hockey player I was kind of girls games captain and the head boy at the time was playing for the local cricket club and basically said to the first 11 hockey team do you all want to come down and play cricket sure there'll be beer and boys there won't there so um we toddled on down and I mean we were awful it, you know it was hockey shots I mean I know Josh Butler is hockey through and through and you know he gets great credit for all of the 
you know, inventive shots that he played. When I did them, it was streaky. But yeah, we, we were pretty awful, but we loved our time. And so got to play when I was 17, just by complete chance, played at university. Um, and then, yeah, finally got to work for the ECB, what, for goodness, now nearly 10 years ago. I was in sales and I went into um, self-sponsorship for the ECB, particularly focusing on women's cricket at the start. So did the uh, Kia deal in particular, and then did the New Balance deal for obviously all of uh, England cricket properties and a, a few others along the way and then got into the participation game and then you know two years ago came down here to Wales so yeah a bit of a strangled and scenic route through cricket but yeah it's just always been part of my life and it's just obviously a privilege to you know still well be in any sport I guess and just be part of something that's bigger than you and has such power and to have the position that I have is an absolute privilege. I mean, very similar for me, to be honest. I was born into a sporting family like Leisha and born on a farm in West Wales in the in the in, in Ceredigion. So my first experience of cricket with having two parents who played as in at home, but also three brothers. So we had, you know, there were six of us. And when we could drag our parents away from doing the farm work, then uh, there would always be a bit of a game of cricket going on in the farmyard and when cousins used to come over. So, yeah, I've been playing sort of informally for a very long time, but always loved it because there's always something to do. You know, you're fielding, bowling, batting and all of those sort of skills require a little bit different of expertise. And, you know, you might be better at batting or better at fielding. Actually, fielding was a thing I love more than anything I really love fielding so yeah and that stayed with me uh, again I'm quite a sporty person and I suppose the sort of proper proper cricket I played is when I went to Loughborough University and like Leisha I played hockey in the winter and then the girls hockey team started to decide we decided to create a, a women's cricket team and so we did that in the summer ended up sort of going around playing at university level and just kept on loving it and I'm fortunate that when I left and became a PE teacher I was able to start a little bit bit of cricket in our school my hockey club we decided to play cricket um, in the summer as well. So, I mean, I think we were quite fortunate in a way that I just happened to be with a critical mass of people, women like me, girls like me, who enjoyed the sport. And we thought, right, let's give it a go. And uh, and we did. And it sort of created its, its, its own momentum. So I think for me personally, cricket was a fantastic experience just to play. And I could see how others were really enjoying it. And at that time, it was all over the television you know sort of sort of Sunday afternoon cricket test match cricket obviously on the radio as well so you know I continued to be engaged with it and I could see the joy that people got from it not just from watching it but from playing it as well so anything any role that I could when when the chance came up to be part of the of the cricket family in Wales then I decided to go for it and uh, just really pleased to be here and, and and do what I can to to make sure that our game continues to thrive in this great country of ours. Ooh. Love that. Oh, yeah, you've, you've been around a while. What kind of changes have you seen in that time in women's cricket? Because obviously both of you were sort of just like, oh, I was playing hockey and then I played a bit of cricket, you know, because it was just there too and it was similar. Have you seen those kind of opportunities change for girls now, you know, be able to go straight into cricket? I think, you know, even just in the snapshot of the time that I spent at the ECB, I, I joined the ECB just after London 2012. So there was no central contracts for women at the time. You know, they were still doing, I guess, what I would call odd jobs almost for chance to shine, um, as well as having a job and trying to be an international cricketer. And, and just in that sort of snapshot of just those few years to go from that to central contract, driving, you know, their Kias, their big sportages, you know, standalone cricket sponsorship, 
the TV coverage, you know, Sky were only obliged, to, well, Sky weren't even obliged at all, I don't think, in 2012 to show women's cricket. And then I think they had two games in their contract, but then Sky were going way above and beyond that and showing every single game. And then they were showing every day of an Ashes Test match. So I think just kind of the, the profile piece has, has just grown, I mean, just inconceivably quickly, just in, in that time. And now obviously the hundreds and sort of parity of platform there is, is massive. And then, you know, sort of at the other end, like, yes, you know, sort of grassroots level. I always used to talk at the ECB about the normalization of cricket for girls and I would sort of take my temperature check from and I know this isn't necessarily the absolute best kind of um, opinion forum but you know I just sort of walk into the indoor school at Lords on occasion when you'd have the, the schools in there and for those first couple of years that I was at the ECB it would just tend to be boys you know the boys from the schools would come down and the girls would probably be doing netball or some kind of balancing games or something back at the school and, and the boys would come out and play cricket but by sort of 2015-2016 it was side by side. It was entirely normal for both girls and boys to be playing, especially at a younger age, we're playing the same game together. And I think that's great. You know, certainly in Wales now, it's, I can say that women's and girls cricket has been absolutely normalised. But I think in comparison, in the context of probably most other counties in England, we're way ahead. You know, nearly half of our clubs will offer something for women and or girls. Our proportion of girls in All Stars and Dynamos is right up there. It's approaching a third. I'd say nearly half of our clubs will offer something for women and or girls. That will definitely tip over to more than half during the course of this summer. Um, so yeah, it's it's becoming more normal. I think Women's World Cup, obviously 2017, that was probably uh, one of the last barriers from the grumpy chairman that would have sat there with their arms folded and all of a sudden they were going, oh, you know what? They can be, can't they? There might be something in this women's cricket thing. So I'd like I just I think it's been a bit of a, I wouldn't say a perfect storm. It's been a lot of hard work for a lot of people and the job isn't done. But yes, yeah, say so in the last just 10 years, like I say, from when I joined ECB to, to now, it really is night and day. I've say I've got uh, uh, three nieces, one in particular that's moving from All Stars into Dynamos. This year, my sister texted me the other day and went, well, what size bat does she need? I'm like, why are you asking me? I'm terrible at cricket. But then I realised, well, not only, you know, well, coaches have an idea about this now for girls and boys, but also there's things like, you know, female cricket store. And that just was not a thing when, you know, me and my sister were growing up. So, you know, I think I think we've come a long way, but there's still definitely some headroom. And, and there's definitely a desire there for, you know, the game to grow in clubs and, and among administrators. And the only other thing I'd add to that, because I think that's really well said, Leish, is that really what we want to see is cricket girls playing cricket in schools we want it on that p curriculum it's not there as much as we would like in fact it might even be less i mean i don't know about your, you guys when you all you did pe it was always rounders 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 we did play a tiny bit of cricket but it was it was rounders so you know if, if we can get that into into our into the p curriculum across every school i think that would be i think that would be great yeah, my experience of school PE was fighting my PE teacher to let me play with the boys. I was like, I play with these boys in my club setting. Why can't I play with them at school? You know, but hopefully that's moved on. But I've got a quick question for Jen, because you mentioned Loughborough and I'm still a student at Loughborough University. I'm in my wow. eighth now. But you mentioned about setting up the cricket there, because I think I was just trying to do a Google search as well. There's no real understanding of how... Loughborough became so good at producing these England players and stuff there's obviously this current generation of players all kind of come through the Loughborough system and stuff there's a lot of credit there but there's less credit on the history of that if that makes sense so I just wondered how you did get involved and how you set it up in that hockey cricket relationship that you briefly mentioned yeah, sure, of course. I don't want you to think I'm taking credit for setting it because I, you know, I did. I was part of it, uh, absolutely part of it. You know, hockey players 
really good hockey players tend to be really good cricket players and they have that sort of they have that skill set which is required and they also have that competitive spirit and that competitive and they love playing sport and you know we wanted to do we wanted to carry on the camaraderie that we all experienced as uh, as uh, as hockey players in Loughborough I, I wasn't in the first team at Loughborough I was in the second team sometimes the third team so you know um, I'm, I'm I don't want you to think that I was you know a fantastic national sports star um, because I wasn't but some of the people I played hockey with actually you know really were and it was those people who sort of were the change agents to use that language you know they said come on let's you know let's do this and and because I'd already played for a long time with my brothers it was always part of as I said before growing up then I just wanted to get uh, to, to get involved and you know we had the kit there because obviously the boys and the men and the men um had the uh, had the kit so we just borrowed their stuff there was all you know we were there weren't Anyway, just borrowed their stuff. And it was a question of phoning up at the universities through the students' union and just saying, you know, who's got a cricket team? If you haven't got one, why don't you create one? Why don't we have a friendly? So it all started off from it all started off from that. But you know, as you would know, there's a fantastic pipeline of talent, um, athletic talent and games talent in Loughborough, obviously other universities as well. Um, and with that, with that talent spread right across the country, it was a wonderful. Um, opportunity to be able to take this great game um, and, 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 and travel the country. So I'd say it was born out of real desire to do something great and interesting and fun and sporty in the summer, not just tennis, and the need to, I think, want to women's cricket out uh, uh, out around the country, you know, all piling in the back of the minibus and having a great time. So it came from there. And you two are obviously using your role to spread the word of women in cricket, women's cricket, and just general how much we love the sport. But you've also got the inaugural Wales Women's Cup this year, your 100-ball tournament, which is mega. You've got the standalone women's tournament in Wales. And what is it, 41 teams already signed up? At least, yeah, might even gone up since then. And I know this is a radio broad. I know it's not radio, but you know what I mean, like digital broadcast. But can I just say for the benefit of all the listeners, like how proud I am and how much I'm beaming when we're talking about this, if it doesn't quite come across. Just talk us through how this was born, how this came about and the growth of the this event. Yeah, well, hopefully, uh, you know, like I said, we've, we, the whole Cricket Wales family, not just the executive, obviously it's a, you know, a job very much that the volunteers lead on in terms of making the magic happen on the ground. But um, senior Welsh Cup, ostensibly uh, men's competition for, for several, several years, obviously caused under COVID as well, one of many things that fell to COVID. But um, that was um, relivened in 2021. We had a record entry uh, number for that competition. And it was kind of at the end of last summer, reflecting on just the number of clubs that were offering something for, say, women and girls. Um, and we thought, well, surely the time is right. Um, you know, it's it's not going to be exactly like the men's competition, and I don't think it needs to be. It's going to be a, a, a cup and a plate. So, you know, whatever level of cricket um, you are playing at, whether you want to play what I call, you know, proper rules, you're out, you're out kind of rules, or you want to play pairs, there's going to be an opportunity for people, obviously you can only play in one competition, not both, but it's, yeah, it's a competitive offer and we'll have a, a finals day, which looks like it's going to be back end of August, where it looks like we're going to have both the plate and the cup final, but yeah, we've got, uh, yeah, at least 41 entries, I think the men's at the minute is 86, so yes. Pretty, pretty massive. I mean, we're a big country, but that's still pretty massive for a, a first year and a completely new competition. And, you know, great, I guess, that we can follow the, the 100 because that was, um, you know, really well adopted. I mean, women's softball has been well adopted, but also the 100 format has been really uh, taken to particularly 
particularly by women players and you know female attendees at Sophia Gardens so um uh, yeah really looking forward to it should be should be a great day and have you seen any of your stars come through from all stars and dynamos that are now going to be part of this event I, you know what, you've just given me a great idea for some content. So obviously I've only been around for two years and All Stars has only been around for what, five, I think, was it 2016, I think, All Stars started. Mm. So yeah, we do need to track a couple of people, I think, on their their journey. But yeah, maybe there should be some prodigiously talented, you know, sort of 13-year-olds that may come through, probably not through the National Programme yet, but undoubtedly we will, uh, we will be following some some girls who started hopefully in national programs and will be entering into well 100 ball welsh women's cup but then obviously hopefully playing for the welsh fire in five ten years and you've also got that link up with western storm as well so tell us a little bit about how that works being cricket wells and linking up to the regional structure as well like because obviously they're covering quite a big area aren't they from north wales to the bottom of cornwall that's it and i think that's probably one of the biggest challenges for for the Western Storm setup is that just sort of vastness of geography. I know that, you know, yeah, the north is pretty big, but you know, compared to Wales, as you say, all the way down to the southernmost tip of the southwest, um, and a number of you know first class counties and cricket boards in there. I think there's probably only one other region that's probably more complicated in terms of sort of numbers of stakeholders. Um, you know, from a Welsh perspective, both Morgan and Cricket Wales, you know, we weren't in the original Western Storm, you know, the sort of KSL, can we call them the franchise? Consortium. So we weren't part of that originally, but yes, have come into the fold for, for the last couple of years. And look, I think so far it's working well. I think, you know, these things are going to evolve and, you know, it is a challenge to try to effectively add on all these extra, you know, quasi-professional women's cricket outfits onto an existing an already pretty saturated, you know, male professional cricket environment. You know, I'm just talking about places to train, places to play. You know, that is a real challenge. So I think it's it's an evolving beast, certainly. You know, we haven't, we, Western Storm, haven't um, obviously won as many trophies as we might like in the last couple of years, but certainly the Welsh representation and the Welsh contingent um, around Western Storm now is, is increasing and growing. We've got um, significant representation both in the academy and in um, the main side. So, yeah, onwards and upwards. Hopefully, we're the first. I think we have the first game at Spy Gardens. I think it's the 14th of May. Uh, checks notes. So yes, I'll be uh, looking forward to seeing them coming back to Wales in a couple of months' time. What was it like to have that first year of the hundred? Because it was such a big thing for. The women's game, I think, as a whole, and we saw such a, it was so much more coverage of women's cricket than that. It was on basically every day. I didn't know what to do when it finished, actually. And it got that, it gave that women's game the coverage that we all know that it deserves. What was it like for you guys on the administration end of it all? Yes, absolutely. First of all, it was it was obviously a shame in Wales that we had our crowd sizes um, reduced by COVID restrictions. But in spite of it all, particularly the last game, you know, the atmosphere for both the women's and the men's games was was brilliant. And it was a, a real shift to me in the kinds of people that you would typically go and see, particularly at Sapphire Gardens. The real marker for me was actually I was on the train up for the final and I had my obligatory Welsh fire tote bag you know sort of merch uh, even though obviously we weren't sadly playing in the final but I was glad I'd represent and I was on the train up and at Bristol a lady must have been about her 50s got on and she sat next to me and I have my earphones in you know kind of ignoring the world getting into London mode and I took my earphones out sort of just to finish my makeup off just as we were pulling into London and the lady sort of leaned over and went excuse me are you going to the cricket today and I was like yes 
And then we had sort of five, 10 minutes into Paddington of how her, she'd gone with her son and although they're in Bristol, they came to watch the Welsh Fire and wasn't it brilliant? And she hadn't watched cricket before. And I was like, well, that's the moment. You know, nobody has ever talked to me on trains about cricket. Well, nobody talks to me on trains full stop. But nobody had talked to me on trains about cricket before, especially not with the greatest respect, you know, 50-year-old women. And then my hairdresser talked to me about cricket. And again, my hairdresser had never talked to me about sport. And it just seemed to put both men's and women's cricket, particularly as you say women's cricket for the sort of uninitiated, it just put it into a space where you couldn't ignore it and you would almost just stumble across it. And the women who you know, we're, we're in the teams, we're, we're performing brilliantly. I think I put out a semi-controversial tweet about the fielding in the women's competition. I thought had actually been better than the men's competition. I actually stand by that. I still don't think it's controversial. Um, but again, it's the, you know, it's the grumpy chairman piece again, isn't it? Okay. Oh my goodness, you know, they can hit sixes and stuff. And I know that sounds kind of ridiculous in this environment, but that's what I think we needed to kind of push it out into the mainstream push men's cricket out into the mainstream there are lots of people who I think had sort of men's cricket myth busted a little bit by the hundred but yeah as you say a real game changer for, for women's cricket and you know really selfishly speaking you know a genuine privilege to have the Welsh fire team and have that Welsh kind of identity and having the Welsh women's team thankfully playing in Wales every time thank you Beth Barrett Wild if you're listening I uh, really appreciate you keeping the women's team in Wales and hopefully that will that will continue yeah, can, can I just add something there? Because I think your term there, Leisha, about it being a mythbuster is spot on. Because I, you know, I know quite a few people who were delaying putting on the putting on the television until until the blokes until the men's game came on because they just assumed that the women's game wasn't going to be particularly entertaining. But actually, then thought, oh well, they'll you know give it a go, and they were rather patronisingly, very presently surprised to use that to use that language. So I think it has changed the hearts and minds of, of a number of people, and and just brilliant that you know that the women's game was scheduled just before the men's game, sort of had equal equal rights to use that language, and so I think really think that that was it that was a game changer that showed that hundred the way that they organized the hundred showed opened up the women's game to those people who were suspicious of it as it being not as equally entertaining as the men's game it is it was and it will continue to be and that was just brilliant and gives us something really concrete to build on in terms of promoting the women's and girls game right across Wales and the work that we do with ECB as well because yeah of course we're cricket in Wales but we also support all the the other agendas the the women's and girls agendas right across ECB as well so yeah just brilliant really just really can't wait to next year this year and Jen, I'm just conscious that you need to shoot off in a second but I just wanted to ask you a question similar I guess to the myth busting of women playing cricket women in leadership roles what is it like to be a powerful woman within this space and have you had to combat any challenging moments any perception changes within being the chair I'm pleased to say that I've not <clears throat> I've not had to face any really challenging conversations or, or or challenges from anybody about my competency as being chair because I'm a woman and to be honest I'd like to think I've not really had to deal with any challenges about my competency as being a chair full for, uh, full stop I am conscious that that I am in a traditional man role. I don't know how many other women chairs of cricket boards there are out there. I don't think there are many. So I, I am conscious of it. And, you know, I, I have 
haven't done this as some sort of vanity project or, or some sort of feminist project, you know, not at all. This is me, Jen Owen Adams, as a human being, feeling I've got a skill set to offer as a leadership, as a leader in cricket in Wales. It's irrelevant that I'm a woman. The fact that I am a woman may be a bonus to help sort of promote the women and girls game and etc. And if that happens, then then you know that is absolutely great. So I'm conscious that I am that I am in a, a bit of a man's world, you know, Leisha too. That's very much you know, the, the, the case for Leisha. But I'm not daunted by that. And I, you know, I've had some you know some really good some nice feedback from from various people about about the stance that that, that I've brought and it's been a pleasure to do that but I also know that there are probably people out there who think you know why is there a woman chair of of cricket Wales and I get that those traditionalists I respect their opinion I respect their views and I hope in time that if there are any people out there who are a little bit nervous about me being a woman holding this position that actually they will judge me on my record and my ability to do the job not on the the sex that I was born with. So it's all going well so far. How does it feel to be a role model for other women and girls that want to take up those kind of positions? They don't necessarily want to be a player, but they want to get into administration. I think that probably means more to me than anything. You know, the ability to be able to model um, being a leader in a sport for a national sport, a national governing body is a really important agenda for me. There are lots of very talented young women out there who would be great at doing this job, who would be great at doing Leisha's job. I want every young girl and I want every young woman to know that this could be them in 5, 10, 15 years time. Because if they see our faces, if they hear our voices, then it'll open up their imaginations and think, wow, I might be able to do that. It can be done. If I am blessed blazing a bit of a trail then I hope that is the trail that I am blazing and long may that trail of women young girls and women come forward in the world of cricket because uh, that's going to be a great thing so if I'm if I'm sort of part of that then that's just brilliant Jen thank you so much for your time like I'm well enough over here like just pure yeah. passion. Like I can feel, I can feel that passion and I want to be in those kind of leadership positions in the next 10-15 years like both of your careers is something that I would absolutely aspire to go into and just having you both here is such a privilege and I cannot thank you enough for sparing some time to chat to us pleasure it's been a real joy it's so nice to hear someone talk so passionately about something like that it's not oh I want to hit sixes and do this I want to be that role model be that person and you are and I can see Leisha nodding as well and it's amazing to have you with us thank you so much for joining us today and I'll leave you all to it I've got to go do the J job bye guys bye thank you so much the same questions again, just about leadership yeah. and being yeah. a powerful woman within this space. Yeah, I, look, I'd, I'd echo Jen's words around, you know, I, I never saw this as a vanity project. In fact, I just saw this as, well, I'm doing stuff that I feel like I'm half good at and other people seem to think I'm half good at and kind of why not? You know, somebody's got to do it. Um, I felt a similar kind of, I guess, nervousness around, goodness me, how are they going to accept a female CEO, especially an English one? So, you know, how to put yourself on the back foot in, in 10 easy steps. Um, I have to say that, you know, that was a lot in my head and the reaction has been, you know, pretty much only positive. And I, I think a lot of people have got over the gender thing now and it is just about cricket and it is about growing cricket's reach and relevance. And I, I don't know if I agree on the my gender is irrelevant piece that Jen said there. I, I know what she's probably driving at and I would love gender to actually be in irrelevance before too long. But I think still now it is, you know, it's a bit of a story, isn't it? And, you know, we're the only kind of 
pair of women who are in a CEO kind of chairs position anywhere in English and Welsh cricket. So it's a bit unique. And I get that there's a level of sort of extra profile or interest because of that. But I think actually we're winning when it isn't a big deal anymore. I talk about, you know, male dominated environments. It's like, no, I don't use the word male dominated because that implies that I'm dominated. If anything, I probably dominate most of the men when I walk into most rooms. Um, It's a male prevalent environment. um, But once you've had the first, you know, you probably haven't had the last. And, you know, absolutely um, 100%, you know, back up Jen's words about just, yeah, just making it a visible for young girls it's it's amazing when I do get introduced particularly to groups of young girls I was at Cardiff Cricket Club I think it was might have even been in the summer of 2020 and they had a training session and I was asked to give out their sort of club caps at the end of the session it was lovely and um the chairman down there sort of sat them all down and went oh you know this is Leisha and she's the big boss of Cricket Wales and just that some of their eyes just lit up there's a couple of them going well hang on a minute you know you could sort of see them processing it in their brain going you're a girl you know because they've already been kind of told and it's been normalized that you know men make decisions sit in big jobs and drive and like well hang on <laughs> you look like me um and I didn't have that you know I talked about Rachel Hayhoe Flint and I was aware of her but she wasn't a visible person because she became so visible she's an absolute you know doyen of kind of women in cricket and women in kind of cricket leadership business um but I never had that role model you know, growing up in, in cricket, at least. And I get very, very uncomfortable when people call me a role model. But I do accept that, you know, sitting in the seat that I'm in, I have that responsibility. And I, you know, I take that very seriously. But it's, you know, it's a privilege. And it's a real positive. Yeah, well, I couldn't have put it better myself. So talking about the visibility of the women's game, we've been really lucky that we've had so much going on over the last few years, women's cricket, we're getting more of it on TV. We had, during the Ashes, we had that test match that was huge and that was talked about a lot and we celebrated that and we celebrated that all of this stuff was on the TV. You know what I would like to know? How long is it going to be until we have a women's international, maybe even a test match, at Sapphire Garden? Working on it, Georgie, working on it. Yeah, look, all, all joking apart, I think, you know, the, the having the support now of the Western Storm games, it's the next logical step. Yeah, I think that Wales puts on, a, I would say this clearly, but, you know, even before I joined Cricket Wales as a punter, you know, I came to, it was, I think it was 20 finals day back in about, goodness me, 2012, I think it might have even been. And I just thought, A, what a cool city, B, what a great ground. And I think it's a great ground for hosting women's cricket. Look, it's great that Lords is going to have a women's game, obviously, after 2017. But Lords, you kind of need to fill, you know, to to really create an amazing atmosphere you know Lord sort of even half full kind of rattles a little bit and I, I get that there's a statement there around you know women's cricket going to grounds like Lords, but I think you know from a, a sort of operational logistic logistical kind of point of view Sophia Gardens would be a great venue for women's cricket um there's great support clearly for the Western Storm as I mentioned there's a huge um sort of following of England men and a lot of people come over to Wales to uh, to watch England play so um in play so I, I yeah hopefully it's just a matter of time i am chipping away at the uh, at the glamorgan leadership to try to get some bids in there um because it'd be great to yeah get england men and women both on the card in, in cardiff in the coming years yeah because it is england and wales cricket board it's Indeed. not just england cricket board so we would love to see that come across into wales as well and i've got a quick question that's slightly off topic compared to what we've been talking about going back to your days as the ecb business development manager and i want to hear more about that new balance and the kia motors partnerships and especially setting up that first 
for your Super League. Tell us a little bit how it all works kind of thing, when you are approaching those kind of big sponsors. Yeah, I always looked at my job in, in business development as a professional frog kisser. So, you know, there's so many, you know, conversations that you start, emails that you send, phone calls that you make, connections that you make, business cards that you collect, they just literally go nowhere. Or they might introduce you to somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. But there's, you know, there's a lot of not wasted effort because every connection will give you probably something at some point. So, you know, I think any deal that any salesperson does just comes with a little bit of luck. Kia was a bit of a lucky one in the sense that they were obviously already in uh, Surrey Cricket, so they had the Kia Oval. They also supported Surrey's disability programme, I think, at the time. So, you know, they were in and around cricket. What they didn't have was a female property. They had some, obviously, some massive international tennis sponsorships, etc. They sponsored Rafael Nadal, which you could argue is a female sports property to some degree. But anyway, they were they were looking for a sports property that could appeal to women. And, you know, again, it was just a little bit of fortunate timing that, you know, women's cricket was becoming professionalised. In fact, as I was sort of doing the deal, literally sort of going backwards on forwards on values, ECB announced that the women would be getting the professional contracts. And the guy who I was doing the deal with uh, wrote me an email when that press release went out and he said, um, suppose you want an extra 10 grand now, do you? I was like, I accept your counter offer. Thank you. Um, so yeah, look, there was there was a bit of luck. I think they would have done it anyway, but it, you know, that was really great timing from them from a, a sort of PR perspective. And then obviously the changes of the domestic um, structure and having a new competition that they could uh, attach themselves to. So yeah, that was was a bit of luck. The New Balance uh, deal was a really interesting one. And um, yeah, I guess the process was similar, but the, some of the outcomes of that were from a female cricket perspective, I think were big wins of, you know, the previous um, supplier who will remain nameless didn't have women's cut, you know, even for the professionals, you know, they were put out in sort of extra small men's shirts and trousers. And so New Balance, to my knowledge, was certainly one of the first brands, certainly the first that the ECB had had, um, that had, you know, sort of proper um, design for women, both playing shirts, but also then replica shirts as well. So I still proudly wear my 2017 lovely sort of pink fade uh, ODI shirt that, that they made. So yeah, they're both very different deals, you know, different stages of, well, my career, different stages of, I guess, kind of cricket's evolution in my time at the ECB, very different values. Um, but the Kia deal, you know, while it wasn't gazillions, was still a deal at the time, actually, for both the ECB and for them. And, you know, it grew and grew and evolved, which is always what you want to do with sponsors. What you don't want is sort of brands coming in, having a couple of years and then, you know, going off out again. And that's what you've seen a lot, I think, in women's sports, sort of this almost slightly opportunistic fire sale, buy it, sort of very last minute, amazing how many pick on them, but, you know, sort of hockey international tournaments perhaps have sort of just announced something where clearly somebody's gone, oh, that, that's going for cheap. We'll have that, thanks. Um, so, yeah, building kind of genuine partnerships and, you know, where people are sort of pulling in the same direction um, was something that was really important to me and really important to those two brands in particular. So probably no um, coincidence that, you know, they were good deals that lasted a long time. Yeah, I think you sort of, summed it up nicely there and I would say you sort of moved it on from that ticker box you know some companies are like well ticker box we've sponsored a woman's thing this year that means we get x y and z from another place because they've seen we sponsor the women's things so that is a big step and you were at the front of that which is great and I'm aware that we've kept you for quite a while so we'll just round up with a few more ones I'd just quite like to know I'd love to know what your highs and lows 
have been while in your role at cricket other than dealing with flooding slash pandemic <laughs> we obviously know that was a high yeah but yeah, I was gonna say the lows the very very dark few months of you know when we, literally nobody knew what was going to happen you know are we going to play at all this year um are we ever going to get back to our office um just yeah how's this going to work so yeah it was that was it was horrible at the time it sounds Slightly weird to say I'm glad I went through it because, you know, every experience kind of makes you stronger. And it's sort of, I sort of built up this Teflon exterior. I was like, well, nothing's going to intimidate me now. Nothing's going to bother me now. I can walk into any meeting and I'll be fine. I got us through a pandemic. So while it was a low, it was probably a good one to have. Highs, goodness, so many, so many. Last summer was just brilliant, you know, kind of July, August, September, when we were all out again and the sun was shining and you know, it sounds really silly, but I was actually able to meet some of the Cricket Wales team members that I hadn't met. You know, we all came together for the, um, the Welsh Fire game. I remember who we were playing? Might have been the London Spirit. It was the last one. I think it was the London Spirit. And just had an amazing, you know, day out and just lots of laughs and, you say, all enjoying and sharing in, in the 100. That was, that was brilliant. Um, I played in my first ever 100 ball game in prep for the Women's 100 Ball uh, Welsh Cup and I ran myself out trying to take a bye to the keeper. I lost the toss obviously, filled it with my foot at slip. So look, it was from a cricket perspective, you know, not <laughs> nothing to write home about but just you know, as a snapshot of women, it was, it was sort of women from about 10 or 11 clubs in South East Wales would all come together just to kind of pilot and give feedback on is this kind of the right format and you know, I just think five, ten years ago, well, first of all, you probably wouldn't have had 10, 11 clubs in the vicinity who would have been running women's cricket. You wouldn't have had an 100 ball. And it just, I think, really kind of summed up sort of what we've done in the last few years. Um, so that that was a highlight. Morgan, obviously, winning the Royal Under Cup. I know we're not here talking about men's cricket, but just from a kind of whole kind of holistic Welsh cricket point of view. Um, yeah, say so those few months of last summer was, was just fantastic. So just more of the same, please. And then the final thing for me is just what advice have you got for our listeners, both men and women who want to get involved with the women's game, especially in um, Wales? Yeah, look, do it. Um, There will be an opportunity for you to play if you're looking to play. The number of clubs, as I mentioned, is growing every month, every year in Wales. It's offering cricket for women and or girls. So, yeah, if you're looking to to play, get involved. If you're a a coach or an official, you know, kind of have no fear. Women don't bite, mostly. Um, I, I've always given feedback that, you know, for umpires, they much prefer handling, you know, women's games over men's. It's a lot more fun. Women are a lot more organised, generally. Um, so, yeah, look, get involved. Um, from a Welsh perspective, we would definitely encourage more women into coaching and into officiating. We do. We have put 100 women through uh, an officiating course because the Women's 100 Ball Welsh Cup will be self-officiated so except for the final uh so we put 100 women through a sort of umpiring basics course we had uh, our first coaching course down in southwest wales which had actually had a, a, an outnumbered number of women versus men it wasn't by design it was just because there was just a number of women who wanted to get into to coaching down there so yeah just just do it you know I just I don't think there's really any barriers or too many excuses left for people now to be honest with you um, and certainly in Wales you know we will support you whether you're a club or whether you're an individual who's looking to get involved so just do it. Well Leisha I'm sure I speak for myself and Hannah and our listeners and it's saying it's been an absolute pleasure to have you and Jen on today 
honestly, it's just been so amazing to hear. Like we chat to players, we chat to coaches, and that is amazing. But then also to hear about the women involved in other aspects of the sport, because it's not just about, oh, I can hit the ball really hard or I can feel, I can play, you know? And that's what this game is all about. There's something for everyone, female, male, old, young, whatever. And I love it. And thank you so much for chatting to us. It's been amazing to hear about what you've been up to, what's going on and what the future has to hold for women's cricket in Wales and the women at the top and us seeing you in the summer. So thank you so much. Thank you. Pleasure, Yawn. Yeah, that's whatever that means. <laughs> I didn't swear, honest. Yeah, no, thank you so, so much. It's honestly been an absolute privilege to listen to all of your wise words and experiences. So thank you from all of us. Thank you, ladies. Thank you again. Have a good rest thank of you. your day. Stay safe. Stay See safe. You. See you later. Bye for Bye. now. Bye. Massive thank you to Lucia and Jen for coming on and being guests on the podcast. Really interesting to hear about what they're doing at Wales Cricket and to hear the developments they've made. It's also really nice to hear that companies such as the Female Cricket Store are making a difference in 2022 and that those sort of things had been around back in the day. But now it's moving forward at a good rate. Also really interesting to hear what it is like to be a woman in a leadership role. And to all our listeners, if you want to keep up to date with everything that we're doing, you can follow us on Twitter at WCricketChat, on Instagram at Women's Cricket Chat. And if you want to give us a like on Facebook, we are Women's Cricket Chat. If you'd like to give our personal Twitters a follow, then it's at Hannity1194, at GeorgieHeath27, at CassieCoombs98, at Mihika Varshney, and I'm at Alex Jane Brown. This has been Women's Cricket Chat. Tune in next time.